Just analyzing the human mind, how everything falls in the category of Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. <coughs> Here Jnana means perception, the knowledge. The perception that a person has is also influenced by his mind. And as we said yesterday, the mind can be 
understood as as possessed of one of the three dispositions. In fact, every mind is a combination of sattva, rajas and tamas. But we may say that a given mind has one of these gunas in predominance. So there may be a mind with sattva in predominance, another mind with rajas as predominance, yet another mind tamas as predominance. And therefore the twentieth verse told us what would be the perception of a person whose mind enjoys a predominance of sattva, <coughs> predominance of purity, predominance of transparency, tranquility. His mind is capable of seeing the reality as they are. When there is rajas, then there are ragad, dveshas, attachment, aversion, then the mind has a tendency to project. And then we do not see things the way they are, but we see them in our own light. So usually a person is possessed of this tendency of ragad, dveshas, or attachment and aversion, which means that his mind automatically judges something as favorable and something as unfavorable. There is something as good, something as bad, something as right, something as wrong. It is not that there is no right and wrong, no good and no bad. But that is not the ultimate reality of a thing. A thing is good and still is something above or beyond also. As we said yesterday, I am this body-mind complex, I am the personality, but that's not what I am. That's not all that I am. I am something much more than that also. There is an ornament that is called Bengal. It is Bengal all right, but it, Bengal is not all that it is. It is gold also. And therefore, to judge that object merely because it is ugly. So you look at this, how, how ugly it looks. Since who has made this thing? He doesn't know how to make a bangle, it's not even round. And look at the design, I mean, thus we can dismiss that thing. On account of its appearance, on account of its name and form, on account of its personality. But there is not all everything about Bengal, there is some, some other dimension of the Bengal also, and that it is gold. And similarly also, this body, mind, intellect, this is myself, this is my personality, that is I all right. But that is not everything about me, that is a dimension that is much beyond that. And that also should be taken into account while making a judgment. So if you want to make a judgment, that's fine. But we should take into account everything which is there. Whatever mind, when the mind is under the influence of rajas and tamas, or rajas in particular, where it is tamas and doesn't see anything. But when the mind is under the influence of rajas, it's a projecting mind. And all it sees is merely the outer costume, outer appearance, just the name and form, and it has a tendency to give reality just to the name and form, just to the personality, just to what is perceptible to the sense organs, that is all is taken to be real by this person whose mind is under the influence of rajas. And that's the reason why he cannot see that there is a dimension beyond what is just perceptible. What is perceptible is body. What is perceptible is the mind, maybe. What is perceptible is the personality. But that, that is not everything about this individual. There is another dimension also, and that he is consciousness. That he is a person, not only personality, but really he is a person.
If there is something desirable, undesirable, right, wrong, good, bad, all of that may be there, but that is merely at the level of the personality. Like on the stage, looking at the beggar and concluding that it is he's a beggar, he's a real beggar. Quite possible that he is a he is an actor in the in the costume of a beggar. And so a person with rajas will just look upon this person as a beggar and conclude that he is a beggar and accordingly interact with him. Well, the person with sattva will recognize that, wait a minute, is beggarliness real? Is beggarliness the person real? Or is it merely a costume? Is it merely a role? Is personality the everything about this person? Or is there something beyond that? So, sattvic person recognizes that these are all incidental things. That now he is a beggar, then he is a king, then he is a minister, and therefore beggarliness, kingliness, etc. are incidental. Inherently, he is a different person. And similarly also that this person is a human being, or this person is good, bad, right, wrong, favorable, unfavorable, all of these are incidental things about him. That inherently he is a person. What is important is that he is a person. He is consciousness. And that is a whole and complete being. And that is important. That is a real thing about him. The inherent and the incidental. The real and the unreal. The person and the personality. The actor and the costume. And therefore a sattvic person looks at the actor and draws his judgment. A person with religious will look at the costume and draw his conclusion. And that's the reason why mind, that is an influence of rajas, is a projecting mind. It takes for granted that whatever is perceived is real, and therefore takes for granted that there are so many atmas, so many self, that every self is inherently different from every other self. And that I am different from the world, each one is different from everyone else. That sentient is different from the insentient, and that each individual is different from God, and that God is different from the world, all this nana, bhavan, prasak, vidhan. And not only that, atmas are all different, but each one is different in nature also. That some atma is good, some atma is bad, some atma is happy, some atma is unhappy, and therefore, this happiness, unhappiness, goodness, badness, all of these are taken to be, in fact, the attributes of atma, the attributes of person. Like including that this beggarliness belongs to this actor. And so this is how a person with Rajoguna, with Rajas will conclude. Whereas as you said, a person with Sattva Guna will recognize that this is alright, what I see is alright but that is not everything. That manifesting through this personality is person, is God himself, is Brahman, is Shiva, the infinite. The infinite has adopted this finite personality, this finite name and form to manifest itself. And that is confusing, no doubt. We wish that he remained infinite, you know. We wish that he had not done all of this. Why did he do that, Swami? Why should he do that? Why should the infinite take this finite personality and appear finite? Why? Well, that is, you know, that is his prerogative. Why should a wealthy actor take up the costume of a beggar and then, you know, act as a beggar? Why? 
Why all these wealthy people take one ball, these twenty-two fellows take one ball in the soccer game? Just one ball and keep fighting with each other. Why? Why don't you give each other, each one a ball and so that they don't fight? But that is called sport. And therefore this wealthy man from Velayit, not knowing what a sport means, when he was brought to see a soccer game, and when he saw for fifteen minutes and he was really pained, he said, what are you fellows doing? Why do you let these fellows struggle for one ball? Why don't you just give a ball to each of them? That would end the struggle. <laughs> but that is just a sport. And so this question, why should the limitless appear as a limited being? Well, why not? Why should a king assume the role? The king also can be fond of doing a drama and he may assume the role of a beggar. Well, it is his prerogative. If by assuming the role he becomes a beggar, then there is a different problem. If the limitless by assuming a limited costume of personality became limited, well, then we would have to ask a question. He doesn't become limited, he remains limitless. It is for us to recognize that the person is limitless, the self is limitless, in spite of the limitations of personality. As we said, to perceive that requires a sattvic mind, a mind that is free from the impurities of rajas and tamas. And therefore, to progressively make our mind rid of these rajas and tamas, rajas means raga, tamas means dvesha, attachment and aversion, is what we have to do. That's all that you need to do. Don't worry about anything else. Should Swamiji some power arise from the bottom and nothing needs to happen. All that needs to happen is that we require a clear mind. Then apart from that mind seeing the reality of everything else, it will see reality of itself. The main problem is that I do not see the reality of myself properly because of my rajas and tamas that I distort my own perception of myself and therefore I have all the wrong conclusions of my own self. That I am a helpless, helpless being, that's what I conclude. And therefore I am at the mercy of the whole world to make me happy, to give me security, to give me love, I am always begging. That is not the true perception of myself, I am not that. Yes, there is helplessness at the level of personality. I can't fly, Swamiji. Can I fly? Can a wise person fly? Can he levitate? Can he jump? Doesn't have to. Why should he do that? You may as well do it if you want. You need not do it. These are all the traits at the level of personality. All the siddhis, all the powers, all the achievements are at the level of personality. They may be there. They need not be there. If they come on their own, we have no problem. If they don't come, they need not come. Because it is not because my personality is strong that I am strong. If my personality is great, therefore I am great. I am great because I am great. The personality need to remain where it is. We need not keep on manipulating the personality, the body and the mind and do things with it. In order to look great, discover that I am great already. Mahantam vihumatmanam matva dhirona shochati sat kathopanishat. So the wise person recognizing the atma, the self is mahantam as great. Vibhum is all pervasive, limitless, free from every limitation. Recognizing the self as such, one becomes free from all the grief. And that's the only way to become free from sadness or grief. 
As you said, sadness is a spiritual problem, grief is a spiritual problem, it's not a material problem. And therefore we cannot get rid of sadness by some material adjustments around ourselves, by making the house bigger than what it is, by making the car, you know, by getting a bigger car, and by doing all kinds of arrangements or adjustments around ourselves, which are at the material level, we cannot hope to solve a spiritual problem. So understand that sadness is a spiritual problem, not a material problem, and therefore it demands a spiritual solution. That's the reason why in response to Arjuna's sadness, Lord Krishna gave him the knowledge of the spirit, that is a spiritual solution is suggested, and otherwise Arjuna could have been consoled, don't worry Arjuna, you'll be fine, you fight this battle, you'll get the victory, I can assure you, you'll get the kingdom. Lord Krishna could have consoled him and promised him all kinds of material things. But Lord Krishna knew that that is not going to solve his problem. He may be temporarily free, you know, he may feel good about himself momentarily because he won the battle, but then again something else will take over him. Like the sun is covered up by the clouds, and there can be a clearance now and then, and the sun may, you can have a glimpse of the sunlight, but again the clouds will cover, we'll do something with the clouds. Do something with this ignorance, do something with our wrong perception. So this description is given to us, not for our general knowledge or academic knowledge, for to help us to do, to determine what to do. That I at the moment see everybody is different from me. And I take it for granted that is reality. And that's how I base my life upon that, that he is different. This fellow is favorable to me, therefore do something supporting. This fellow doesn't like me, you know, and this is how we react. So, Sattvikam Jnanam, Rajasam Jnanam, Tamasam Jnanam, knowledge of perception based on Tamas is extremely narrow. At least the person with Rajogana accepts what he sees, that each one is different and so forth, but person with Tamoguna doesn't even understand that much. He says, this alone is God, this alone is self, this alone is right, this alone is the principle. And therefore you become more and more fanatic, more and more insistent upon things. That this alone is right, this principle alone is right, this vision alone is right, this Thiya Siddhanda alone is right, everything else is wrong. That means a person with the Tamoguni mind cannot just appreciate anything other than what he thinks is right. <coughs> so Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. We can see people of all kinds. It is different, difficult to see people with Sattvic mind, no doubt about that. Usually we see people with Rajas and Tamas, no doubt. And so we think that that is how the life is. That is not so. There are people. You need not have to be wise even. You have to be just good, that's all. Then also it's a long, you know, just to become a good person itself is a great achievement. Then I, when I see a person, I don't just react. I don't just hate, even if that person doesn't like me, still. Something in me says that all that, that is also okay. Let him, let us give him the freedom. Let him be what he is. I can still love the person. To be able to love somebody in spite of that person hating me, you know, that's a big thing. That's a good person. That's a sadhu, a saint. So even if one 
one is not wise in this sense that is said that one sees Brahman everywhere, that's most wonderful and that's what has to happen. But before that, if you can see at least human being in everyone, like I am, like a needy person that I am, like an incomplete person that I am, like an insecure being that I am, and therefore various needs I have, other people are also like that, they are also insecure, they are also needy. Maybe their needs differ from my needs and therefore we don't have a chemistry that is working with each other, okay. But at least we can take them for what they are and be sympathetic to them. So to have that compassion, have that sympathy, that whenever a person is angry, whenever a person is aggressive, whenever a person misbehaves, it is out of insecurity, it is out of pain and not out of uh, any pleasure that he does it. And therefore the ability to be able to go, look beyond the behavior and look at the person. That in spite of his behavior also the person in fact is a weak, a weakling, is in fact a suffering fellow, is in pain, even though outward appears to be very aggressive and very strong. And thus to be able to sympathize, to be able to be compassionate. This is great. That is how a sattvic person is. Although in this sattvic perception, Lord Krishna presents the perception of a wise person who sees Brahman everywhere, who sees the self everywhere, which is the ultimate reality. But even if you do not go that far, even if I can see a human being everywhere, even if I can see a, a fundamental being everywhere, one who is needy and one who is, you know, then as I find myself to be, even that itself is a great achievement. So this is a perception, that's called jnanam. Now continuing the discussion, jnanam karma cha karta cha tridhaiva guna Lord Krishna had said in the 19th verse that we are, now I'm going to talk to you, tell you about the threefold division of jnanam, the perception. Karma, the action, and karta, the doer, the agent of action. And now Lord Krishna proceeds to describe the threefold action, the karma that we perform. <coughs> Continuing with the verse 23. Niyatam sangarahitam, niyatam sangarahitam, ragadveshatakritam, Aragadveshatakritam Aphalaprepsuna karma Aphalaprepsuna karma Yattat sattvika muchyade Yattat sattvika muchyade This kind of a karma, this kind of an action is called sattvik karma. Interesting thing about when Lord Krishna describes a karma that is sattvik he doesn't talk about karma. He talks about the attitude behind the karma. So what makes an action, sattvic action, rajas action, tamas action? Is an action inherently sattvic, rajas, tamas? Action is an action. Can we say that the action of uh, worshipping God is a sattvic action? An action of cooking is a rajas action? An action of cleaning toilet is a tamas action? Can we say that action by itself is good, bad, is superior, inferior? No. An action is an action. What makes an action superior to some other action is the attitude, the spirit with which the action is performed. 
it doesn't matter what the action is. This is the difference between the spirituality and the religiosity. Religiously speaking, one action is superior to the other action. So that is how Bhagavad Gita in that sense differs even from the Vedas. In the Karmakanda section of the Veda, a, 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 a religious action was an action that is enjoined upon a person. That is when you perform an action of worship, that is called the right action. And therefore the spirituality is somewhat limited to what we call the performing of certain religious actions only. But Lord Krishna in fact made it much more provision that any action can become a spiritual action. Question is what should I do Swamiji in order to grow? If we have to grow from tamas to rajas and rajas to sattva, what should I do? Do whatever the situation calls for. Do whatever the situation requires you to do. Because Lord Krishna never says which action you should perform. He always tells us how we should perform the action. And therefore, it is not what we do that is important, it is how we do that is important. But when is so? Swami, how can you say that? You mean when I am working in McDonald's and earning five dollars an hour? The same thing that I am an attorney and making two hundred fifty dollars an hour, how can you say that both the actions are the same? They are not same from one standpoint. As far as the potential of an action of making money or the material gain is concerned, as far as the material outcome is concerned, no action, actions cannot be said to be similar. One action is superior to the other action. As far as the material gain is concerned. And therefore, being a professional or making $200 or $250 an hour is definitely an action that is superior to an action we make $100 an hour and again $50 an hour and $5 an hour. And therefore, superiority and inferiority action can be judged differently as far as the material outcome, material gain is concerned. Well, you can say an action is better or not, I mean good or not so good. Let's say more profitable than the other. So as far as the material profit of an action is concerned, action can give rise to different kind of material profits. But as far as spiritual profit of an action is concerned, every action has the potential of giving rise to the same spiritual profit. And therefore, a sattvic action is an action performed by a person having a sattvic mind. And so what is the perception of this person? Why does he perform action? Why does he do what he does? What does he want to get out of it? How does he look upon his life? Does he look upon his life as a process of accumulating material possessions? Or does he look upon his life as a process of accumulating what we call the inner wealth? There are two kinds of wealth. The material wealth as well as the spiritual wealth what they call the divine wealth. This is what we call an inner wealth, inner prosperity. There is a material prosperity and there is also an inner or a spiritual prosperity. Thus being a good person, being a kind, charitable, giving, loving person is what we call the spiritual prosperity. 
Being a wealthy, powerful person is a material prosperity. Thus there are two kinds of prosperity in life. I guess we require both the prosperities. Not that we don't require material prosperity, we do require money. And it's nice to have some power and things like that, nothing, as long as you know how to use those things. Without the spiritual prosperity, the material prosperity becomes a burden, really. With the spiritual prosperity, material prosperity becomes a boon. Otherwise, the very same material wealth and prosperity can be a curse. So you require also that culture, you require that sensitivity, you require that growth, emotional growth or intellectual, or emotional growth or spiritual growth to be able to properly use even the material prosperity that you have. So who is a karma yogi? Or who is a sattvic person? A sattvic person is one in whom there is a clarity as to what it is that I want in my life, that there is an understanding of what I am seeking in my life. There is an understanding that I am seeking freedom. I am seeking an unconditional freedom, unconditional happiness. And that unconditional freedom or happiness is not something to be achieved. It is my own nature and therefore is something to be brought to manifestation. It's an unveiling process. Sun is already shining. I cannot see the light, not because the light is not there. I cannot see the light because there are clouds and therefore it is not able to produce the light or bring the light to manifestation by removing the cloud, removing the obstacles that are only covering the sunlight. And source of freedom and happiness is not something outside of myself, it is my own self. And therefore I don't have to acquire freedom, I don't have to acquire happiness. I have to only bring the freedom or happiness to manifestation by removing those obstacles which obscure the freedom or happiness which is my nature. There are these two perceptions of life. So, sattvic person is the perception of life. What is that perception? That the happiness or freedom is there, is an existing fact and I have to bring it to manifestation by removing the obstacles. A person with rajas has the perception that happiness lies outside there, I have to produce it, I have to acquire it. So if my perception is that happiness and love and freedom is out there, in some other person, in some other place, in some other situation, then my life becomes a process of acquiring. If I realize that that freedom is my own self, then life becomes a process of giving up, giving up what? Giving up the obstacles. So one is the life of acquisition, other is the life of renunciation. So this is a matter of this clarity. As we said, a mind that enjoys sattva has a clarity and therefore the person knows. Or if you want to become sattvic also, that is very important that we must have clarity of what it is that we are seeking in life, that what we are seeking is freedom or happiness, unconditional happiness and that is already my nature. I have just to bring it to manifestation, I have to unveil it, I have to remove whatever veiling or obstacles are there and just bring it to manifestation. Then manifest to be brought to manifestation. If this is my perception of my life then, my action then becomes a means of removing the obstacles rather than a means of acquiring what I don't have. 
So action can become a means of achieving what I don't have or action can become a means of getting rid of what I have. I already have enough other dveshas, likes and dislikes. I have enough of these impulses and enough of these impurities and therefore I have the choice to make my action a means of getting rid of the impurities. What are the choice? To make the my actions to become a means of getting that material stuff which brings its own impurities also. And therefore whether a person lives a life of getting rid of the impurities or lives a, li- lives a life of accumulating impurities. One is a spiritual person, other is a samsari, aviveki, non-discriminating person. Yukta karma phalam tektva shanti maapnoti nashtekim ayukta kama karyana phale sakto nibadhyate. In the fifth chapter, Lord Krishna said, this yogi means the person having this right perception. Karma phalam tektva shanti maapnoti nashtekim. He is not seeking happiness as a result of his action. He wants to get rid of the ragadveshas as a result of performing actions. Santimapnanishtikim, in that process, he attains that abiding peace. He keeps on getting that. Ayukta kamakarena phale sakto The next verse will tell us how the Rajas person with Rajoguna is. His perception is different, and that's the reason why he performs action to achieve a different. He has a different perception, and therefore, he performs actions also with a different goal in mind. So, in the verse 23, a sattvic person is again described. The earlier three verses, in that first verse, the perception of sattvic person is described. How does that perception manifest into action? See, what we do is nothing but a manifestation of perception that we have. If my perception is that there is one person, one self, one God everywhere, and that is the reality of life, and I want to make that a reality for me. So there is one possibility, and there is a reality. I understand, it makes sense to me, that in spite of the differences, that oneness is reality. Even though the waves are many, that water is reality. Even though the ornaments are many, the gold is a reality. Even though personalities are many, the person is a reality. If this is clear to me, then my actions will become a means of knowing that person. Then my actions will become a means of knowledge rather than a means of material prosperity. How can they become means of knowledge? When they can remove ignorance. What do you mean by removing ignorance? Removing the ragadveshas which are the products of ignorance. And therefore, he performs every action as a means of getting rid of his likes and dislikes, getting rid of his anger, getting rid of his impulses. He deliberately performs an action that is an action of kindness. Even if he is angry inside, he deliberately does something that will represent his kindness. This sattvic person all the time wants to to invoke from himself the very best that he has. Even though the very worst that he has all the time comes upon the surface in his mind, but he doesn't encourage it. He encourages the very best that he has. That there is a store of kindness, there is that love, all is there. It is for us to all the time invoke it. A time will come when that will become my nature. I won't have to invoke it. That is how I will become. But until then, I must make an effort 
to all the time, bring it out from inside. Come on mind, be kind. Come on mind, be, be generous. Be accepting. Don't reject. Don't, don't react. Don't hurt. Don't do this. Look at the way he behaves, she behaves, doesn't matter. Bless them. Give them the freedom to be what they are. Help them. For that you, I must become great. I must become big. I must become large-hearted. I must become accommodative. It requires me to become larger than that person. Then alone I can, I can conduct myself in an appropriate manner. So that is, that is our sattvic person. A karma yogi always wants to invoke from him or her the very best which is there. That is the person. And not the personality, the person is what I want to invoke. And what is that person? Person stands for love and kindness and goodness and fairness and that is in fact my true nature. And whatever anger and cruelty and thing that I find in myself is not the truth about me. And therefore, what is not the truth about me is not what I encourage. What is the truth about me is what I encourage. Thus every action becomes a means of invoking from me that very best which is within me. That's how I keep on becoming a better and better person. And thus every action is used for that purpose. Every action is used to invoke the right, the, the person, the purusha. <coughs> Therefore it is said here, Aragad Dveshatakrutam. One of the characteristics of the action that a karma yogi performs, a sattvic person performs, is Aragad Dveshatakrutam, without being impelled by likes and dislikes. Usually I invoke, I perform an action because I want to hurt somebody. He deserves it, you know, that is Dvesha. When there is Dvesha, I perform an action to deliberately harm somebody, get rid of somebody. Or I perform an action because I want to please somebody. So when I want to please somebody, then also it is possible that I may hurt somebody. Because when I am partial, so Raga means what? Partiality. To please somebody is fine, nothing wrong in it. But there is partiality. That I want to please someone at the cost of someone else, you understand? So, Raga, attachment means partiality. Dvesha, aversion also means partiality. That just because I have, an, I have some agenda, that's the reason why I consider this person very important or very useful to me, whether it is right or wrong. And that's how I go out of my way to please somebody whether it is the right thing or not. I go out of my way to hurt somebody whether it is right or not. And therefore, for that person, right is not important. What is suitable to him becomes important. It is suitable to me to support this person, not to, you know, that is why I do it. It is suitable to me to hurt this person, therefore I do it. Raga, and understand what is meant by Raga Dvesha. But this sattvic person doesn't allow, those tendencies are there in everybody. Sometimes we get angry, sometimes we get jealous, sometimes we get mad, things happen to us. But a sattvic person or a karma yogi does not allow himself to be 
to be controlled by those impulses, but he chooses to be controlled by the right things. He chooses to be controlled by his noble tendencies of goodness or kindness. And therefore, it will require me to all the time keep under check how to subdue my negative tendencies and all the time encourage my positive tendencies. That's the process. That is how the rajas is transformed to sattva. Because rajas and tamas, they all the time want to control me. They want to assert themselves. And therefore my anger, my resentment, my blaming, all kinds of things that I have, they want to take hold of me and they want to assert themselves. It is for me not to allow them to happen and it is for me to make sure that it is my goodness and kindness that prevails in a given situation and not the other one. Sangarahitam. And then also he doesn't have that kind of an arrogance, free from arrogance. A karma yogi, a sattvic person, is free from arrogance. I am so and so, I did it, and you know, self-asserting all the time himself that I did it. He is a very humble person. He recognizes that whatever I do is because I am enjoying a grace. The grace of the teachers, the grace of the Lord, the grace of the people around me, that I am enjoying all that grace, I am enjoying all that support, and that's why I am what I am, and therefore, he doesn't take all the credit for what he is, he gives the credit to where it belongs, and he recognizes. That just I happen to be at the right time, in the right place, and there is just nothing but favor done to me. He doesn't think that he deserves it, he believes that it is all given to him. Therefore, there is a humility, sangarahitam, without asserting the ego, without the arrogance, without, because arrogance is all nothing but stupidity, that's all it is. It's not understanding the reality of life. Niyatam, and that which is right, he does things that is right. Niyatam. Niyati means the order, and therefore, he performs actions which are in keeping with the order. So how do I know what the order is? Well, maintain the values of life. If you don't understand what the order is, if you don't know what the scripture says under these conditions, I may not know. Doesn't matter. At least I perform my actions based on the basic values of life. As I said, the kindness is a basic value of life. Goodness is a basic value of life. Fairness is a basic value of life. So niyatam, all the time there is an attempt to invoke that fairness, goodness, kindness, humility, accommodation, compassion, giving. And in so doing, sangarahitam, without feeling arrogance, but recognizing that I am able to do all of this because I am enjoying a grace. It is my privilege to do that. It is not that I am obliging somebody else by being good, that I am obliging myself. So, when I speak truth, I feel that, look, you know, there are people who in fact because they are honest and because they speak truth or because they follow dharma, the righteousness, then that brings some other arrogance also. Look at this fellow Swamiji, he is dishonest, he is like this and he is like that, look at me. 
also sometimes is so-called dharma, the righteousness also brings about some kind of arrogance. Because what happens is, in order to be righteous, in order to be good, in order to be honest, you have to go through some pain, you know. It's because what happens is that I am honest and therefore I have to settle for something less and this fellow is dishonest and he gets with much more. And therefore, I have some issue there. See Swamiji, I work so hard. I work 15 hours a day. Look at this fellow. He just does whatever he wants, you know. Look, it is your choice that you are working 15 hours a day. He has this choice. But that somebody gets away. Because I am a good person, because I am a righteous person, because I am an honest person, therefore I am deprived of certain gain and some other people, because they are not honest, they get away with the gains and I have some grudge about it, I have some jealousies or I have some problems with that. And therefore I feel that I am a good person because, and therefore I am obliging the world by being an honest person. I am not obliging anybody, I am obliging myself. Because when the value is practiced, but value value is not known. And therefore I speak truth all right, but I don't know what is the value of the truth and therefore I see other people not speaking truth and getting away with it. And I feel that, look, I am speaking truth and therefore look at Swami, nobody bothers about me, nobody looks at me, what did I get in my life, nothing, and look at get away with that means you have the value but you do not know the value of value when I have the value of value then I know that by doing this I am not obliging anybody I am obliging myself niyatam the action that is based on the basic values of life sangaraitam done with humility done with a sense of gratitude aragadveshatakritam not in order to fulfill some personal agenda that I want to promote something, I want to demote something else, whatever it is, no personal agenda. Agenda of God, Niyatam, God has set an agenda. He has created all the living beings and He wants them to be happy. Let me join the agenda of God and therefore, not that I can play God, but then let me see whatever I can do to join His scheme. That I don't become an obstacle to His scheme as best as I can. I do not allow my ego and my attachments and aversions and my insecurities to come in the way of the scheme of the Lord as much as I can. And therefore, I function not from the, the, from the platform of insecurity, but I function from this platform of gratitude. Aphalak prepsuna karma. And while doing all of this also, what is it that he expects from this? Does he expect some kind of appreciation, recognition of material gain? Aphalap prepsuna karma without, without any kind of a personal reward. This is a big thing. This is, see verse 23 tells us really how, what is meant by spiritual life. Well, this is very difficult but to the extent that we try to, try to practice this in our life. That even while being good, even while performing what is right, even while doing all of this, and still, I do not expect any kind of a reward from that. That somebody should pat me on my back, somebody should give me some kind of an award, somebody should write my name on the plaque, somebody should give my photograph in the news, I don't know what, you know. 
So when people give donation checks, then they make sure the photographer is present there. When the check is handed over, a picture is taken. Next morning, the newspaper, the picture is there, you know. When I give a check of donation, let the world know that I've done it. This person says, no, I, it is not I who gives. Somebody has given me, I'm just passing on. Who am I to claim the, uh, the glory for that? And therefore, these things are done not for self-glorification, if anything, for the glorification of the Lord. There is called aphalap prepsuna, the one who is no prepsa, one who doesn't have any craving or desire for any personal reward. Understand what is meant by phala here. Not the result of the action, but the personal reward that an action brings. This kind of an action is called Sattvikam Karma, an action that is born of Sattva. This is how typically a Karma Yogi strives to act. As we said, it is not what Karma or what action that I perform, it is the spirit with which I perform the action that makes it Sattvik or not. <coughs> this action can be just sweeping the floor, and still it can be Sattvik action. There can be an action of worshipping God and it may not be sattvic. I may be doing it as a profession or by doing that I expect a certain something else, you know, a personal reward. Khyati, labha, puja. Khyati means some glory, labha means some gain, puja means some respect. And therefore many intentions can be there behind performing even a religious action. An action is not important at all. What is important is intention behind it, the spirit behind it. That is what in fact it helps me grow or the other way around. <coughs> and then in reference to this, Lord Krishna in the next verse describes the, the karma, the action born of rajas. Yattu kame psuna karma Yattu kame psuna karma Sahankarena vapunaha, Sahankarena vapunaha, Kriyate bahulayasam, Kriyate bahulayasam, Tadrajasamudahritam, Tadrajasamudahritam. Yet to however, one line is missing there in the translation, you can add that line, but that karma done with, that's the first line, that's a missing line. But that karma done with. Desire for the result or again with arrogance and a lot of effort is called rajasam. Action born of rajas. As we say, when the mind is under the influence of rajas, then I become keenly aware of my needs. My inadequacy, my insecurity. So, person whose mind is influenced by rajas, he feels insecure, very needy. He is a demanding person. And therefore, his actions become expressions of his need, expressions of insecurity, expressions of his demand. And therefore, yattu kame psuna karma kritam. The person who performs action with karma, with a desire, meaning to fulfill his personal demand. When an action is performed to fulfill my personal demand. 
Even though I may be working as an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, you know, for my clients or whoever, I may do things for them. But in the process of doing something for them, I also want to fulfill some personal demand of mine. I want to get some glorification. Some self-glorification I am seeking. I may be doing social work, community service also. In doing community service also, through that also I can have some personal agenda or become more, becoming more visible, becoming more well known, gaining some power, different agendas, you know. When people were uh, contesting for the, uh, the Senate, you know, are contesting for the Senate, uh, at least six months ago in New York State, People knew that these people are contesting for Senate. Senate is not what they are seeking. They have, they, have, they have their eye on something higher. Not just the Senate. Not just becoming a cabinet minister or secretary. They want the top position, you know. And so, although a person may say that I want to be a Senator, I want to do this for community, I want to do this for the state, I want to... It's not what they want. They want to go up there. Their eye is on becoming... They have a different agenda. And so I am performing an action with an agenda of my own. Mostly that's how it is. Because I am a needy person. Because I am an insecure person. Therefore, ultimately fulfilling my need is more important than my action. So for a sattvic person, action is more important than fulfilling his need. For a rajas person, his need is more important than action. Therefore, he will manipulate the action. He will, you know, he will, he will twist and turn his action to make sure that his need is fulfilled. And therefore, to fulfill his need, if necessary, he will compromise the quality of action. We see this happening. You can twist the thing, you can turn it, you can manipulate it, so that you get what you want. So for this person, what he does is not so important than what he gets. The end is more important than the means. For karma yogi, means is important and will take care of itself, need not take care of itself because I am happy that I performed the action. His happiness comes from the very action. His gratification comes from the fact that I did something good, he is happy. For the person who is rajoguni, for him the action is not important. Bahulaya, some lot of strain, you know, strenuous action. If any performs an action, there is a lot of strain, lot of stress is there. Because he doesn't love the action, doesn't care for the action. He cares for the reward that action brings. And also, when I perform an action that goes against the order of the value, there is a lot of strain involved there, understand? See, people get tired and people get exhausted not because they work hard so physically. But we get exhausted more because of a lot of stress and conflict which is there in the mind. Whenever we want to do something that goes against the fundamental order, there is going to be conflict in the mind. You see, thing wants to go in its own way, I want to manipulate it and maneuver it and go and make it in a different way. Then there is going to be a strain, is it not? This fellow wants to come here, I don't want him to come here, let's say. That means that then I have to actually act against something, some nature and therefore it becomes strenuous. And therefore, for the person for whom the end result is important, 
that person will have to twist and turn and manipulate and compromise. And in fact, manipulate the people, manipulate the situations and not allow them to take the natural course. But he wants them to take the course that he wants and therefore very often he has to actually struggle against the realities of life. And therefore there is a lot of strain. Therefore, bahulayasam, a lot of effort, highly strenuous. Action is highly strenuous. <clears throat> because he wants to do something that is not natural. He wants to do something because he wants it. He wants to do something not necessarily because it is the right thing to do. He orders something because he thinks that he want, he needs it. Yattu kamev suna karma, an action that is performed by a person having this personal agenda, which do not coincide with the agenda of God. If my personal agenda coincides with the agenda of God, then I am a karma yogi. So with a karma yogi who makes sure that his agenda, he changes the agenda to, 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 you know, to coincide with the agenda of God. Who is this fellow? The materialist fellow. He twists the agenda of God to coincide with his agenda. That's, all, that's the difference. One fellow changes himself to tune the realities of life. Other fellow tries to twist the realities of life to fit to his needs. You understand? I can change my needs in order to adjust or in order to tune up with the reality of life. Or I can twist the reality of life to suit my needs. When I twist the reality of life, it is very strenuous because I am going against the current of life. Yattu kamevsuna karma sahankarena vapunaha This fellow is very conscious and I am doing it. And therefore, the need on his part all the time assert himself, always self-asserting with arrogance. <coughs> Ahankara will be there. Assertion will be there. Unless you assert yourself, you cannot change things outside. The person who acts with humility accepts the reality. He doesn't want to, to manipulate the reality. This person has to manipulate the reality to suit his purpose and therefore he must always assert himself. And therefore, very assertive, very arrogant. Kame Epsuna Karma, a action that is performed so, keeping in mind solely his own need, whether or not the action is in keeping with the order or not. Sahankarena, and therefore always asserting his personal self. Kriyate bahulayasam, and therefore it's a very strenuous action. It involves a lot of stress. Thus the rajasam udahrutam. This kind of an action is called rajasam, born of rajas. Earlier one born of sattva, this one is born of rajas. <coughs> And then there will be in action one of Tamas. That will be the next verse. We will take it up in the next class. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashakrata Vande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvara Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya 
దక్షిణామూర్త నమశాంతిశాంతిశాంతి హరి ఓ శ్రీ గురుభ్యో నమ హరి ఓ